Well, guys, I'm so glad that we're finishing our series, our four-part series, entitled Star of the Monster. Uh, what we've been talking about over the past month is that all of us, we have this little monster inside of us that we always want more. It's the monster of entitlement. And I think entitlement is something that church people struggle with. I think entitlement is something that non-church people struggle with. It's just something that all of us struggle with because we're human. And last week, we discovered that when entitlement, it lives in our kids. And we kind of dislike that if you're parents. And we learned last week that kids who struggle with entitlement often end up grateful for nothing. And again, it happens with kids, it happens with parents alike. And none of us want that to happen to our kids, and none of us want that to happen with ourselves. And today, we're going to try to figure out how to defeat the monster of entitlement once and for all. I'm just going to warn you, you're not going to like what you hear today. Like, if this is your first time with us, you're probably going to hate it, and it's going to totally cement, oh, that's what all church is about and all this stuff. But I, I hope that, you know, that you're going to push back on it, and I understand that, but I hope you'll let it kind of marinate with you and let you think about it, and you may, it may even get you angry, but at the end, I promise you that if you actually do it, it will be extremely helpful and you will actually defeat the monster of entitlement. Now, again, this is the end of our series, uh, so um, if this is your first time, you're kind of catching the end of the movie, but we just simply said this, that entitlement is thinking that you have a right to something that's actually a privilege. Entitlement is thinking that you have a right to something that's actually a privilege. And again, there's nothing wrong with having things. We're going to learn that and look at that from the Bible today. The challenge comes when, is when you feel entitled to them, when you think, I deserve them. I deserve that. Now, we've looked at the first week some signs that you're struggling with entitlement. And let's just do a, a quick overview. Number one, uh, the first sign that you're struggling with entitlement is that you have a lack of gratitude. There's a lack of gratitude. And again, that is so, uh, it, it's so pervasive in our culture today, so much so that we don't even, we can't even not go shopping on Thanksgiving. Um, that we have to, I mean, a Black Friday has creeped into Brown Thursday, and, and it's just like, we, we, I made that up, by the way. Um, so, um, but, I mean, we say, you know, it's not called things getting. It's called Thanksgiving, and I think the reason why so many of us were not satisfied with what we have is because we're not thankful. We're not thankful. So again, our encouragement to you is to not go shopping. Uh, do uh, those people who are having to be there a favor. In fact, I had one person today, I'm not going to mention this person's name because they might get fired, but she says, I've got to be in the work at 4 o'clock on Thanksgiving because they're forcing me to come in. Thank you so much. If I could protest, I would. So I'm encouraging us to not go, thank, uh, not go uh, shopping on Thanksgiving. Um, second is this, envy coupled with why? Envy, envy coupled with why? Envy is looking at somebody else and saying, how come they live in that neighborhood? How come, and I can't? Um, and, or why can't I drive a car like that? Why can't uh, I have granite this or, or, or marble that? Or why do they get hardwood and I get stuck with laminate? Why do they get to go to Disney and we get to go camping in Paris, Tennessee? Why? All right? So it's, it's envy coupled with why can't we? Uh, third, it's a sense that you deserve something. That you deserve something. I deserve a day off. I deserve to go play golf. I deserve a day at the spa. I, I deserve to have this because I've done this or I have this title or this or that. I've been able to, to go this far in life and I deserve that. And you really think about it. No, you don't. That none of us deserve anything. In fact, what the Bible says, uh, if you really want to get technical with it, is if you, there are some things that you deserve, but it's not the stuff that you want. 
In fact, the Bible says this, that, uh, that the wages of sin, the results of sin is death. That what we deserve is death. But it says this in the end of that verse. But God's gift, his free gift, is his son, Jesus Christ. That's amazing. So we don't, we don't want, want what we deserve. In fact, grace is not getting what we deserve. It's getting what we don't deserve, right? So, and again, one of the ways I've shared this in this series that I struggle with this personally is I deserve, I feel like I deserve good, uh, 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 like when I go to a restaurant, that somebody to serve me well. And if they don't serve me well, I give a bad tip. And one of the things I've been convicted personally in my life is that I need to tip better. Because it's, uh, how I tip is how I can show them Jesus and how I can show them grace and love. It's WWJT. What would Jesus tip? Right? Again, I don't, don't know if that's going to catch you on. Probably not. But anyway, four, secret anger. Secret anger. Secret anger is when you're mad, but you don't come across as an angry person, but you're just kind of at the boiling point, just kind of right underneath. And you, let me tell you who you're angry at. You're angry at God. You're angry at God because envy, envy simply says this, God, you didn't give me enough. You didn't give me enough. And some of you, you feel like you deserve, you should have that job. But you know what? You don't. And, and you kind of have this other job, and you're mad at God because God, he, you know, he should give me that. No, no, you don't deserve that. It's secret anger, and it's against God. Number five, it's rationalization. And this is a big one, I think, in our culture because most of our purchases are emotional. Most of our purchases are emotional, and we kind of purchase, we per- make the purchase because it was on sale, and we just kind of backfill it with logic and with reason and with rationalization, and, 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 and it happens to all of us. Now, those are signs that you're struggling with entitlement, so how do you, do you defeat the monster once and for all? I believe there's a silver bullet here that you can defeat this monster, and with most things, there's not a silver bullet, but I think today... The scripture is going to give us some direction that if we can do just this one thing, it will defeat the monster of entitlement once and for all. Let me just tell you, I've warned you, you're going to hate it. You're going to hate the answer to this. What is it? You focus on generosity. You focus on giving. That if you decide in a culture of plenty, I'm just going to be one of the people that just gives irrationally. And maybe you're not even a Christian. I think as Christians, we should be known for our giving. We should be known to be some of the most generous people who've ever walked this planet. And sadly, we're known as the stingiest. Barna Research asked this question to Christians and non-Christians. Here's the question. Have you donated any money to a non-profit organization this month? A non-profit includes churches. They could also be United Way or Goodwill, Salvation Army. Listen to this. 47% of born-again Christians said yes. 48% of non-Christians said yes. You know what that tells me? This statistic that if you're not a Christian, you're actually more generous. That's jacked up. Let me keep on going. On average, Christians give 2.43% of their income to offerings. Now again, if if you're a Christ follower, you know what the Bible says about this. That 10% is the starting point. And yet, we give 2.43% to their offerings. We're stingy. That's just not stinginess, that's disobedience. Now, here's another question uh, posed by Barna. Have you given any money to a homeless person or a poor person in the past year? Look at this statistic. 24% of born-again Christians said yes. 34% of non-Christians said yes. That's sad. This basically, these stats say that, you know what, if you're a Christian, you're stingy, you're selfish, 
And let's, don't even get me started on tipping. In fact, let's get there. Christians in tipping waiters and waitresses. One waitress once said, there are some people you know who are going to be some bad tippers just by looking at them. If you ask how much a soda cost, you might be a bad tipper. Um, if, uh, if you, chances are, if you say anything that you are a good tipper, you're probably a bad tipper. Um, and, and let me say this. If I see, she said this, if I see somebody praying before their meal, I immediately lower my expectations for their tip by about 5 to 10%. True story. A couple of years ago, a St. Louis-based pastor left a controversial little note on their receipt at Applebee's. This is what it says. It said the suggested tip amount was 18%. This pastor wrote, I give God 10%. Why do you get 18 And left no tip. Guys, that is hypocritical. This is the reason why people don't go to church. By the way, the, the waitress who got it was like, that's kind of jacked up. Posted a pic, a pic of this, uh, uh, the picture on Reddit, and it went viral. The pastor found out about it and demanded that all of the Applebee's, Applebee's staff be fired. D- didn't repent, didn't say I'm sorry, demanded everybody be fired, and the waitress was fired. This is the reason why people aren't Christians. In fact, you and I, if we're bad tippers, we're the reason why we're not Christians. So this is the reason why today we want to bless a person who's going to come and serve us today. Um, and uh, so I'm going to ask you right now, we're going to take up a special offering, a special offering that 100% of it is going to go towards the person who's going to deliver this pizza today. We want to give them something to be thankful for. Now, first service, we usually have about 100, 115 people in first service, and they gave $436. We have probably triple that in here. So I'm going to ask you, now, normally, our second service is our lowest giving because our first service are the people who are core and they kind of serve. So I'm asking you guys to step it up a notch, right? We're not getting this money. One church isn't. So I'm going to ask you, everybody, stand up because some of y'all, you can't, I can't get my wallet. I'm going to help you out. Stand up. Go ahead. Get that wallet out, and when, once you stand up, you can sit back down, all right? I can get that. So we got different buckets that are going to be coming, and I'm, just, I'm asking you to be generous because the guy who's going to be delivering the pizza today, this person is in, we, we want this person to be blessed, all right? We want to change the tide of, of Christians being bad tippers. So I'm just encouraging you, just give. Give. What would Jesus tip, all right? All right. Now, some of you are asking, am I going to get a slice of the pizza? All right, if we can, we're going to do it. Jesus prayed for it, and it got multiplied. I ain't Jesus, but somebody's going to have to start praying now. Just saying. All right. Now, I think generosity battles entitlement unlike anything else. And if you find yourself struggling with entitlement, the best thing that you can do is to give. Now, as I've said before, you know, I've, I've, I've been a pastor who struggled with giving. Some of you say, well, that's easy for you, pastor. You give. Well, let me tell you, for the first 14 years of my marriage, I didn't give because I had great excuses not to give. I had excuses just like you do. I don't make enough. Ten years, uh, in 10 years in ministry, I didn't get a raise once. Uh, I left one church and took a 20% pay cut to go to another church. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, I don't make enough. And I have excuses just like you do. And ultimately, I realized, you know what my excuses were? They were just that. They were excuses that I really wasn't willing to trust God with my finances. So I'm challenging you, what are you going to do? 
Because I'll tell you, when we started this church about eight years ago, one of the things that's helped us remain consistent over the past eight years is the online giving. Because it's gonna, if it's going to be dependent on me writing a check, I'll never give. Number one, I don't have checks. Right? Does anybody have checks anymore? Anyone? All right, a couple people in here. All right? But I don't have checks. Right? I just don't. So we do it online, and we get paid twice a month, and three days after we're paid, it just automatically comes out. Praise God. Praise Jesus. Right? All right. But as we learned in this series, how much is enough? And we realized that it's never enough, is it? And enough keeps on changing. Here's our big idea today. And then we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Our big idea says this. You always, what? Want more until you decide to give more. Can we all say that together, all of us? This is an all skate this morning. You always want more until you decide to give more. That's just true. That if you want to know what the silver bullet is for killing entitlement, it's giving. Now, we're going to be diving into some scripture today that's written by a guy by the name of Paul, the Apostle Paul. And I'll tell you, Paul wrote this letter to a guy by the name of Timothy at the end of his life. And uh, it, it basically, at this point, Paul, uh, in his life, he has given it all. Uh, I mean, he is basically um, just, he's given everything he's had so that people might hear about Jesus. And it's not much of an exaggeration to say that if Paul haven't, hadn't lived that way, you and I might never, ever heard of Jesus Christ's name. So Paul is coming to the end of his life, and he spent it all over several decades, trying to do everything in his power to lead people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And he's handing the baton to a younger disciple by the name of Timothy that he has been mentoring. And Timothy, he's the pastor of a fairly large church in Ephesus. So Paul is pulling Timothy aside in this letter. He's saying, Timothy, my days are coming to an end. You're still young. So Paul is pouring out himself into Timothy This is what you need to do. This is what you need to focus on. This is what you need to be careful of. And then Paul wraps up his letter to Timothy by saying this in verse 17. Teach those who are what? Rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Now, here's the thing. For most of us rich in this world, there's a disconnect there. Because most of us, we'd probably say, Chris, okay, I'm not rich. I mean, you ought to see my budget, you ought, to see, you ought to pay my bills, and maybe Paul is talking to this cream of the crop type of people, but you don't really understand, I don't have a lot to give away. And we're struggling to make ends meet. And, and again, I, I get that. Like, if your child ever says, hey, Dad, are we rich? You would say, no, we're not rich. You know, we're never going to be on Forbes magazine we're not going to be like uh, Bill Gates or Donald Trump. Anybody remember when Donald Trump wasn't political? We could just make fun of his hair, right? Anyone? I can't do that in this day because everybody's saying I'm anti-Republican. No, I just think he's got bad hair. So that's all. Anyway, but I mean, we're not a Donald Trump, you know? We don't have, we don't have all of this money. We're not rich in this world. I mean, I want to challenge that. Because in our world today, if we think globally, we have 7.2 billion people living in our world. So um, just for uh, today, we have kind of whittled this down, the 7.2 billion into 100 people. And I want to test this. Are we really rich or are we not? So let's talk about this. If you're making $150,000 a year, now some of you are going, right? But uh, hang on. 
either separately by yourself or maybe you and your spouse together, if you're making $150,000 a year, again, some of you are like, I'm not making that. Okay, I ain't getting to you yet. All right? But if you're making $150,000 a year, let me tell you where you're landing in the $7.2 billion. You're in the top 0.07% of the richest people on this planet. 0.07. That means that um, 90, let me get this right, 99.93% of all the people in the world are poorer than you. Now again, probably most of us in here don't make $150,000. So let's cut that in half. Let's go $75,000. All right, you, maybe you and your spouse, you have incomes together that equal $75,000. That's not maybe a huge stretch. Let's look at us or you or those people out there, right? If you make $75,000 either separately or you and your spouse together, you're in the top 0.21%. Notice, the graph didn't change much, did it? Now, you're thinking, well, but the people who make one hundred fifty, they got so much more money than I am, and, and it feels like there's such a gap. But when you look at it globally, there's not a gap. Again, again, for most of us, we're thinking, okay, $75,000. I don't make $75,000. Maybe you don't make $75,000. I get that. So let's go even lower. Let's go $40,000. The average income in Montgomery County is $49,000 uh, for the entire household. So this is not far off. If you make $40,000 a year net, this is where you're at. You're in the top 1.11%. So that means you're in the top 1.11. That means this, that 98.89% of the world's population are poorer than you are if you're making 40 grand a year net. That kind of puts it in perspective, doesn't it? Let's keep on going down. Some of you are like, I don't make 40 grand a year, Pastor. Okay, let's say you make minimum wage. Minimum, minimum wage right now is 7.25 an hour, $7 and a quarter an hour. If you're working full-time, you don't take vacations or anything like that, you're going to bring in around $22,000 annually. If you make $22,000 annually, how rich does that make you globally? Well, you're in the top 5.56%. That means this, that 94.44% of everybody else is poorer than you are. So, we're going to do something, and y'all are going to hate this. But you know what? I don't care. <laughs> um, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at the person beside you or look at the person behind you, and I want you to introduce yourself. I want you to do this. I want you to say, hey, my name is Chris, and I'm rich. Now, don't say Chris because you're not Chris. All right, so y'all ready? Let's do that. My name is... Now, how many of y'all, you uh, you're, you're going to be truthful, that was a little uncomfortable, right? Because it just is. No one goes home and looks at their spouse and says, we're rich, right? We just don't do that, all right? But let's go back because globally, we are rich. So let's go back to this verse. Teach those who are rich in this world. In fact, the word teach, it's really an imperative. It's a command. So this is kind of nice. He's saying, command those who are rich in this world. And by the way, now we have to sit up and perk up and listen. Because compared to the rest of the world, you are rich. And I am rich. 
So this verse is talking to us. It's talking to us as Christians. And again, now if you're not a Christian, you don't have to, you don't have to listen to this. Um, you don't have to apply this. This is only for Christians. Now, that's the reason why we create unchurch, we want to create churches where unchurched people love to attend. And some of you Christians are praying about being unchurched right now, aren't you? Right? You just are. But for Christ followers, this is talking to us that we are to be, we're rich in this world. And what are we supposed to do? We are to not be proud and not to trust in their money. Not to trust in their money. Because the more you have, the more secure you feel. I'm going to keep on reading. This is uninterested. It says this. Don't trust in their money, which is so unreliable. And some of you are thinking, no, he's not. No, money's not unreliable. But if you really think about it, it is. But if we were honest with ourselves, we would say this. You know what? It's God who's unreliable. Money's more reliable. Because that's how we live our life, isn't it? Some of you, you prayed to God, God, would you do this or fix this or fix my child or fix my situation? And God didn't come through right? He didn't come through, and we're like, no, it's God who's unreliable. If we were really honest with ourselves, and money is reliable, but let me tell you, any of y'all ever purchased a house, and then the housing market tanked, and you couldn't sell the house? Anybody in here? Anybody ever had an investment that lost money? Anyone? All right. Any of y'all have, you had a 401k, and it turned into a 201k. Anyone? Anyone? All right, very good. Hey, hey, what's up, Tuck? How you doing, dude? Everything all right? Good, fantastic. So, hey, what's your name? Hey, Daryl, my name's Chris. Can everybody say hello to Daryl? Fantastic. All right, uh, you got some pizzas for us? All right, what you got? One pepperoni. One pepperoni. Oh, no, can you mind if I look at it while I'm out here? All right, cool. This is awesome. Oh, man. This, oh, I wish y'all could smell this. So, did you make this yourself? You did not. Man, this is awesome. Now, have we already paid you, Daryl? There's a receipt somewhere on here. All right, very good. Um, Daryl, uh, what's the biggest tip you ever got? Uh, I'm with you. Every dollar does count. Anybody want to agree with that one? All right, go, go. All right, cool. Well, um, if uh, Tuck, Bob, somebody can come out. Um, I, we've been talking about, as a church, that we want to become a more generous church. And because uh, and, and I struggle with generosity, right? Um, so, um, one of the things that we have done today is our, in both of our services, our 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock, uh, we've taken up a special offering just for you, Daryl, that we would love to be able to give you. And uh, what do we have? That's your receipt. Okay, good, good, good. good. All right. And, Baba, wh- what do we have? What do we uh, take up for Daryl? We had uh, total given $1,621.79. So, $1,600. All right, so we just want to say thank you. That's yours, and we hope that uh, you have a great Thanksgiving, my friend. All right? You mind if we pray with you, Daryl? All right, cool, cool, man. Awesome. Good. Guys, you guys are awesome. All right. Don't don't forget the change. All right, cool. All right. Let's, let's pray real quick, if we could. Yeah. 
Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for Daryl, Lord. I, I don't know what's going on in his life, Lord, but I just pray, Lord, that, uh, that uh, thank you so much for blessing him, and Lord, how you blessed us so that we could be a blessing. So, Lord, I just pray for Daryl. I pray that uh, he would just be grateful and thankful this, uh, this Thanksgiving and Christmas season. And, Lord, we know that every dollar given to one church, Lord, it goes to change lives. And, Lord, that's exactly what I pray for Daryl, Lord, that his life would be changed. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Can I give you a hug? All right, good. Y'all give it up for Daryl. Yeah. Thank you, buddy. All right. Who wants some pizza? All right. Come on. Come, come get it. Seriously, you just got to share it. That's all I'm saying. All right. Oh, yeah. Look at you. I, I'm down. All right. Go share it, Robert. Now, let me, let me, let me just say this. Spit. Nobody's listening to me. I just need to pray and we need to go home. Anybody want to amen that one? Yeah, it ain't going to happen. All right. Let me tell you. I love what this next verse says. This next verse says this. This is verse 18. Their trust should be in God who, who richly gives all that we need for our enjoyment. You know, God gives us money and things so that we can enjoy them. But let me tell you what's even more joyful is when we give and our money does good. Look at this next verse, verse 18. Tell them to use their money to do good. You see, the reason why God is giving you money and God has given me money is that he wants us to do good. Now, quick question. Did that not feel good just then? It did. It did. And just and so many times when, we were, when we're fighting and we're trying to get stuff off the shelves, it just, we almost, it, that doesn't feel as good. But man, when you see that your money can do good and truly bless, I mean, $1,600 tip. Guys, that was you guys. I just want to say thank you. Thanks for your willingness to give. Thanks for your willingness for your money to do good. And some of you think, well, you know what? It's the reason why so many times we as Christians, well, what is he going to do with this? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what anyone's going to do. It's the reason why we don't give money to people on the street because what are they going to do? It doesn't matter. You see, we're called to be faithful to give. And if we do that, God will give something in return to us. Because what's amazing, and you can go to that next verse if you will, it says this, they should be rich in good deeds and generous to those in need, always be ready to share with others. And the reason why many of us aren't willing to share with others is because we have skated so close to the line financially, we've got nothing to give. It's one of the reasons why we do Financial Peace University twice a year here. Because we want people to be able to free up their finances so that they can give. So that they can share with others. And then it says this in the next verse. By doing this, they will be, look at this, storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Now let's kind of dissect this a little bit. Storing up the treasure. Some of you, you've heard even preachers say, and I've even said this, you know, you can't take it with you. The, the money, the stuff, you can't take it with you. Well, that's kind of true. But let me tell you, this, this foundation, he's saying this. There's a future that you can give to, and it's not just the, the, the lowercase f future. It's the capital F. It's heaven. I have a financial planner. His name is Gary Murphy. He goes to this church, and some days he has some financial stuff to plan for me, and some days there ain't no finances to go around to plan. And some of you are probably the same way. But here's what I know. This verse is saying this, that there's something that we, we can do something with our money that's going to go to our future. And that future he's talking about is heaven. 
that there's something about Jesus kind of pulls back the curtain here and says, you know what, you can't take it with you. I mean, you've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul, and I get that. But you can take your money, and you can give it away, and you can invest in your heavenly future. And what he's saying, and it says throughout the entire Bible, is that when we give, and how we give, and how we're entrusted to give, because we're all stewards, it will, God will give us more responsibility in heaven. That it will, there will be benefits long-term for us in heaven by how we give. So they store up treasure, their treasure, on a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Now this life, the Greek word for there is zoe. And some of you, you how many of y'all know people named zoe? Okay, we, we name people Zoe. There, there's, there's two types of life here. There's the life I'm just kind of getting by, and I'm just kind of eking by, and I'm doing, you know, whatever, and I, I'm kind of living, the, you know, I'm living under it, and it's like, eh, and we've all had weeks like that, and I get that. That's not what this Greek word life is talking about. It's talking about no. We want you to have life and have it to the full, to milk every ounce of joy out of life. And that's how your Heavenly Father wants you to live. And that's how God wants me to live. But that can only happen when we give. When we give. What's the cure of entitlement? We will always want more until you and I are willing to give more. Now here's how we're going to apply this. We've done some of this. We've already blessed someone. But I'm just going to be honest with you. That's Just doing that once is not going to break the monster in me. So I'm encouraging you, I'm challenging you to find an organization that does good. Remember, we're to do, with our money, we're to do good. Find an organization that does good and give to that. Now, some of you are like, oh, here it goes. Now we're going to take up a third offering for one church. No, we're not going to do that. The offering's already been done. This really has nothing to do with one church. I would hope that you would trust us and that you could give. But if you don't trust us with your money, give somewhere else. But this isn't about us. This is about you and your heart. For Jesus says this, that wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I'm encouraging you, if you haven't already started, to give to an organization that you believe that that does good. And not just give a $2 tip. No, that you actually have to rebudget your finances. That you give so much, we're like, okay, we're not going to do this. Because that's how God wants us to give. He wants, us, he wants 10% to be the beginning and not the end. So my challenge for you and for me this holiday season, let's not make it about things getting. Let's not make it about just getting more and getting more and getting more. Let's be thankful and let's give more. Will you do that? Will you do that? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, for the joy of just being able to, uh, to be there in Daryl's life. And God, I just pray, Lord, that you would bless him, Lord, this holiday season. Lord, I pray that you would do that to all of us, Lord, that you would allow us this holiday season to be a blessing to other people. And that, Lord, that you would bless us relationally, you would bless us emotionally. For some of us, we need blessing financially, God. However that looks, God, I just pray that you would be a blessing because you already have been, Jesus Christ. You gave your one and only son. This is how amazing gift giver you are, God, that you gave your one and only son that if we would just believe in him, we could have eternal 
life. We can have that Zoe that we've been talking about. So Lord, I just pray that as we leave today, that good feeling that we just had, that that would just be able to, it could be compounded exponentially, and that all of us, we could be a church that does good in our community. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.